0: Let's go to uh, John chapter 5, return to the Gospel of John, and uh, we'd like to pick up here in John chapter 5, and Jesus is now returning back to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. There were three feasts that all the Jews were required to go to Jerusalem to observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, then the Feast of Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's not really highlighted which specific feast he returned to Jerusalem for here On this account but he returns for a feast and performs the miracle here of healing this impotent man who had been lame on his feet for 38 years so John chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches And in these lay a great deal of impotent folk, of blind and halt and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity, For 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lie and knew that it had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, saying, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another man steppeth down before me. And then Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk, and immediately, The man was made whole and took up his bed and walked on the Sabbath day, on the same day, and this was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then answered they him, What man is it which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. And then afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. So now Jesus has returned back to Jerusalem, and much of the focus of the Gospel of John is during his time in Jerusalem, but also his miracles in Jerusalem. And there was a tradition here that at a certain time, obviously in conjunction with this feast, a certain time an angel would come down and would trouble the water, and they believed that... uh, the first person to get down in the water would be healed of whatever disease. And obviously, uh, that was clear of the Jewish tradition and the people there by the water believed it, uh, whether it was uh, fully true or or not. So notice here where this is at, uh, verse verse 2, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market. That's an interesting little reference, isn't it? Obviously God's people are consistently referred to as sheep, and I think it's very evident that this man who jesus christ saw fit to heal of this this lameness that he certainly shows the evidence of being a child of god and i don't think that it's any surprise that this miracle took place by the sheep market so there was again a great multitude of impotent folk of blind halt withered all types of maladies all types of diseases and infirmities and their hope was that if they saw this water moving that they could you know this kind of makes me think of uh, Black Friday is not very exciting anymore uh, because you have online deals and, and it's not even Black Friday. All the deals start late on Thanksgiving. <clears throat> but back in the day, when they would open the doors that people would just, the display of total depravity going God. in there <laughs> to, to fight over a free toaster, right? And that, that's kind of the, the, the picture that I have of all these people, all these sick people just like running into the water as fast as they can and hope that, and trying to knock other people down in hopes that they could get in there first with a belief that they would be healed by touching the water first but this man i mean he was he was in the right proximity right he was fairly close to the pool but but he had a problem he, he was lame so the, his only hope to supposedly get healing his only hope to get into the water to be able to touch this was a reliance on somebody else, yeah. because he had no ability Amen. to walk. And and I notice it kind of references uh, the, the the language of uh, or the phrase "whosoever" is highlighted a lot in the Gospel of John. And and notice um, the qualifications, so to say, the built-in qualifications of this. Uh, word here in this text and I think it applies very similarly in many other places in the Gospel of John. It says in verse 4 that when that angel troubled the water that whosoever went into the water first would be healed. Okay well who are the whosoevers? Right? Who are the whosoevers? Are they the the Chinese that aren't close to the pool? You know are there people in different countries? And then there were people who were in close proximity to it like this lame man you know he was was he a whosoever well no he didn't have the ability he, he may have had the desire to go right. but he didn't have the ability so so who are the whosoever's who are the who whosoever? the whosoever's are the people with life with the ability to perform the action that's being called upon right yeah. so who are the whosoever's the ability the people that had the ability supposedly to go in there and get healing from from the, the angel troubling this water. But this man had a problem, right? He could—he—he he didn't meet the qualifications of the whosoever, right? right. <laughs> he couldn't go in there. He was reliant on someone else. And notice this language um, when it describes him as having an infirmity and he was impotent. This is the, the heading. I don't, I don't know if it uses that language here. Yes, it does in verse 7. The impotent man. The impotent man. And that word, you know, potent, you know, we think about omnipotent. Omni, um, God is omnipotent. Omnipotent, which means all power. Well, impotent means no power. Right. Right? So that means he had no power. He had no, if we, we want to make the spiritual application here, he is Mephibosheth that has no ability to do anything. What? So how did Mephibosheth, me, <coughs> Mephibosheth, <laughs> Make his way to David's table. Well, the king sent messengers to go fetch him Amen. and to bring him because he didn't have the ability Amen. to come, right? So he has no str- He has no power. He has no power to meet the whosoever condition, so to say. Well, he is, he ends up receiving healing from the command and the voice of Jesus Christ. Well, now... Obviously, he doesn't need to get into that water now. But if he did, now all of a sudden, after he has healing from the Son of God, now all of a sudden, he can meet the invitation of the whosoever, right? Which is exactly when it says, whosoever believe Well, does anybody have the capacity to believe in Jesus Christ? No, they don't. But when they've been given life, now all of a sudden, the whosoever applies to you. (laughs) And now you can go and partake of the healing and the balm of Gilead that is in Jesus Christ, right? So this man had a problem and and he knew his problem (laughs) he knew he was impotent he knew he had no power and he knew that he was dependent on somebody else to have healing his only problem was he thought that his healing was going to come from that water though he thought my only hope was that a man's going to pick me up and dump me in the water and you're just probably, in, in this madhouse of a scene, you're not going to find somebody that, that, that's that generous to pick you up and try to put you in the yeah, water right. fast enough, right? You're just not, not going to beat everybody if you're carrying somebody, okay? So essentially there was no hope for him. Even if he recruited somebody, you're just not going to beat the rest of the people to the water, okay? But notice the clarity of this language from the Holy Spirit. This man was impotent. He had no It makes me think about Romans chapter 5 when it says when we were without strength, Christ died for us. And you want to know what without strength, literally having no strength means? It means you're dead, right? Now, his legs were dead, weren't they? His legs were atrophied to the degree that they had no life, and strength to where if he stood up he would have no ability to walk which by the way this this powerful miracle right here I think about this a lot in the miracle in uh, the healing of the lame man in uh, in Acts chapter 3 where it describes him right after that healing as leaping and and jumping and praising God and just in a medical sense that can't happen Amen. right uh, I've been we've been praying for brother Ricky Myers and and he, and uh, the aftermath of that liver transplant and he wasn't able to get out of bed for three months and just, I was talking to Bethany about that uh, as we were scrolling through Facebook in the hospital, uh, that the blessings that we have that we take for granted are so fragile, right? That's right, amen. He had no problem walking three months ago. Right. But due to his illness and his muscles being dormant, for three months, not 38 years, right. right? But for three months, he's having to take one step and, and one step just wipes him out. And that's the natural course of rehab right. that even if you had muscle atrophies in your leg and you receive strength in that, you would not be able to walk naturally for a, many months and you, and, and No doctor would tell you to ever jump up and down, right? Even if you walked slowly, don't you ever jump, you know, for probably six months if you had this severe of muscle atrophy in your legs. But he immediately, those those muscles had not worked. Those muscles were totally without power. They were totally impotent. But when Jesus Christ commanded those sinews in his muscles to to be revived, now all of a sudden he stands up and walks like everybody else. Right? But... Notice what he says right here. Sir, I have no man. And we want to make sure we make the the spiritual application right here, here, right? He's impotent. He has no power in and of himself. And what's unique about him in the spiritual application is that he understands his inability to meet the condition for life and healing right now if you have an understanding that you have it in and of yourself no capacity to meet the requirements of, of it's such a the kingdom of God is such a paradox if, if you have an understanding that you can't meet it kids you can't meet the conditions and that's an evidence that you've already been born again and that you have already met the conditions through Jesus Christ right Amen. now Isn't it amazing though that on the contrast side of that, I think about the Apostle Paul very often, he thought that he met all of the conditions when he was unregenerate, but all of a sudden, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died, Uh, right? All of a sudden, he thought he had all this confidence in it of himself, but now all of a sudden, I, I, I thought that I was a righteous man before, but now I look in the mirror and I say, I'm nothing but unrighteousness and filthiness. My righteousness is filthy rags the the paradox of the kingdom of the paradox of regeneration right so he has an understanding that i have no capacity for me to meet this condition myself but he also says i I know that i in myself i can't meet it because I, i have no power i'm impotent but also he had enough clarity to say even if i had a man I can't rely on that man because he can't get there fast enough. These are the conditions that are necessary for my healing, and he can't meet those conditions. Sir, I have no man, right? No hope. And I know this sounds almost trivial to us as as old Baptists, but we understand, right? I know we understand. But the Apostle Peter in Matthew chapter 16, when he declared that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Amen. Almost every single sect of Christianity puts some reliance on an action of a man for regeneration, for healing, and eternal salvation. Right. Right? They, it is dependent upon us to preach the gospel to them. It's dependent upon us. And, and, you know, I think sometimes as Old Baptists, we kind of create our own little straw man, our own little red herring. You know, I don't think too many people are really going to come up in heaven and, and uh, go to, if, if they did, if they were converted under the preaching of Billy Graham. And say so, I'm so thankful that you preached the gospel to me because without you, I wouldn't be here, right? I don't think, I don't think many people really think that way because most people... Think without a clear understanding and wisdom of the Scripture. They think they're saved by grace, even though really their theology puts a dependence upon either another man or yourself. Right. Because even if it doesn't put a dependency upon another man, it puts a dependence upon you. Amen. Right. And and he x's out both possibilities. Right. That's right. I can't meet the condition, and I have no man that can help me. To meet that condition. I want to read this verse quickly. We've already dealt with this in John chapter 1, but to highlight the point that there is no man involvement, especially when we speak about the purpose of the gospel and gospel regeneration, and a man has to preach the gospel, and and that is the means by which a man, is a person is regenerated. Well, if a man is preaching the gospel that is the means of regeneration, then that means that REGENERATION IS NOT 100% OF THE SOVEREIGNTY AND IMMEDIATE HOLY SPIRIT REGENERATION OF of THE VOICE OF THE SON OF GOD, RIGHT? JOHN CHAPTER 1 AND VERSE 12, AS MANY AS RECEIVED HIM, TO THEM GAVE HE POWER TO BECOME THE SONS OF GOD, EVEN TO THEM THAT BELIEVE ON HIS NAME, AND THOSE THAT BELIEVE, VERSE 13, WHICH WERE BORN, PAST TENSE, NOT OF BLOOD, NOR OF THE WILL OF THE FLESH, NOR THE WILL OF MAN, BUT OF GOD, NOT THEIR WILL, not or of the will of the evangelist, right? How many, how many of these evangelists say that it's my desire to go save souls to heaven? Well, the will of man has no bearing on regeneration. Amen. Even your desire, a good, wholesome desire to let people know more, uh, even if they don't understand it in the right context, you want You want people to hear about Jesus. I, hear, I want people to hear about Jesus too. Yes. But your will is for them to be eternally saved. Well, your will for them to be eternal saved has no bearing on their regeneration. Amen. And, and also your will. Your will has no bearing on on the sovereignty of God in regeneration. Why? Because we are lame, impotent, affibis, with no man. Right? right? What's our only hope? The choice and the election. And the sovereignty of God. Amen. Okay. In a natural sense, you know, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit answers the questions, the rebuttals, the the common, um, the common complaints with election, as precisely as the Holy Spirit does in Romans chapter nine. Amen. Okay. Because our first response in our nature is to say, whoa, there's unrighteousness with God. Why would you show favor upon one person and then pass over someone in that other state? Notice in verse 5, it says, there was a certain man there. There was a specific man that of all of the multitude of sicknesses that Jesus Christ chose him out Amen. to bestow favor and grace and healing upon him. Now, do you think in a natural sense that those other people that, that didn't get in the water first, that showed up with the hope of healing, do you think there was maybe a little bit of resentment right. that, yes, this Messiah has come, and he picked him and not me? <laughs> well, in a natural sense, you could kind of understand a little bit of that, right? But you got to understand, none of those people that are there, of there's a reason they stood in need of healing, because they were not people that were sought out by the rest of society, right? right. They needed they needed healing. You know, I was thinking about this. These are people that are sick, you know, let's just let's just say they're severely disabled or. Or just think about people that go and, uh, go and take cancer treatments. Many people go in and take cancer treatments. And the Lord has given us uh, medical treatments that can allow you to extend your life and, and maybe even allow that cancer to go into remission. There's a lot of medical opportunity. But sometimes people get remitted, and they find a scan, and they, they test that they have cancer. And the Lord miraculously blesses for the next time that scan comes for the doctors to say i don't know what happened but it's not there anymore yeah, right. you're healed now i want you to think about that when you hear that report when you hear that report somebody that you're praying for and you hear that report that they've that they've had cancer and you're praying for them please bless them please bless them lord and you hear that god has miraculously blessed them to be healed Is the first thought that comes into your mind man that's totally unfair to everybody else that has cancer Mm. right is that's totally unfair to everyone else that's sick no what do you do you say god we pray according to your will and and even if you chose (coughs) to give them ultimate healing in heaven if that was your will, we praise you for that. We submit to your will. And if it's your will to send miraculous healing, we just we praise Amen. you for that, right? We, pray, we, don't, we don't say, Lord, how unfair that you haven't wiped out every cancer treatment clinic, right? Why? Because we focus on the grace that's bestowed upon someone that didn't deserve it, Amen. right? We always have to start with the right perspective and, and with the right vantage point. And when we view ourselves as totally depraved sinners that are dead in sin with no hope apart from Jesus Christ, as impotent people with no man, well now all of a sudden healing gets, becomes exciting, doesn't it? Yes. It's not unfair. It's not unfair that that the sovereign Son of God chose a certain man to bestow favor upon. That's not unfair. Do you want to know what that is? It, what was the rebuttal? It's unrighteousness that God would, would love Jacob and leave Esau in that state of judgment and hatred. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. So then it's not of him that willeth, not the will of man, right? Not the will of the flesh. Not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth. Well, would have done this man any good to say, all right, we're going to have a marathon. Right? right? We're going to have a marathon for who gets healing. Well, that didn't do him any good. Not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Right? Amen. So no one should look at this account and say, man, God is so unfair. Right. God's election is not unfair. You want to know what it is? It, it praises and glorifies His grace. That's why He chose out of people, right? Ephesians chapter 1. According as He hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Why? Why did He choose us? Why did He predestinate us? To the praise of the glory of His grace. Amen. Okay. Jesus tells him, Rise up, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And it was the Sabbath day. Now, these Jews, obviously they were following Jesus. Everywhere he went, they were looking for an occasion to try to uh, to try to accuse him, and they ultimately got so fed up. They said, "All right, this this isn't working very well. We just have to lie." Right? Uh, They they followed him around and they tried to find a a little loophole, but Jesus fulfilled the law to a jot and to a tittle. Right? There was there was no uh, no areas that he missed. So finally, when it got down to it, they were like, "All right, this has got this got bad enough. We just got to lie when we uh, come before the the Roman." And the Jewish authorities. But these Jews see a man carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. And they immediately come up and start rebuking him for doing that. Okay. Now what you think. Do you think it's possible that there were other people in Jerusalem carrying things on the Sabbath day? Yeah. I think that was probably a very common occurrence, right? (laughs) Right. What was unique about this guy carrying his bed? The answer was nothing. I think those Jews were sitting right there following Jesus around and they saw him do it. Okay, They saw this healing, they saw what happened. And they were trying to capitalize on that, to try to find an occasion to, uh, to accuse Jesus. And they say the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. <laughs> um, now." Granted, back in the Old Testament, you know, the, the Jews had kind of created their own little version of the Sabbath day. But back in the Old Testament, hey, some people got killed for picking up sticks, right? So, I mean, it was, it was pretty serious. But clearly, they should have been able to see if they had a regenerated heart, which they did not. Amen. But if they had a regenerated heart, they should be able to not look at the legalistic aspect of this and try to find some problem with it they should say you've been lame for 38 years (laughs) and you're walking let's go to the temple and offer alms and praise jehovah right that's what they should have done but they saw him walking there (coughs) and they essentially said what are you doing and he answered them and he said he that made me whole the same said unto unto me take up thy bed and walk now this is really exemplified in john chapter 9 and the healing of the blind man but I love the way that Jesus chooses out. This is a lot, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole, but you know, some people have this idea that Jesus is gonna perfectly reveal himself to every single child of God and he's gonna preach his own gospel and all the elect are gonna hear and the believe the gospel. It is amazing the ignorance mm-hmm. of these men that received, that were going and testifying to Jesus Christ everywhere. And then when he gets around to asking them, do you know who the son of God is? They're like, I don't have a clue. Right. That's what happened in uh, the the blind man in in John chapter 9. He was going and testifying to the whole community about the healing of Jesus. And then Jesus, the Son of God, manifests in the flesh is right before him. And he says, do you know who the Son of God is? He said, no, I don't know who he is. And he said, "I'm, I'm the one who's standing right in front of you. And I love how he's giving this simplistic. And by the way, the only testimony that we can give is our testimony. Amen. Right. The only testimony I can give is my testimony. What was his testimony? (laughs) I don't know who this guy is. He showed up, he told me to get up and walk, and all of a sudden I just started to get up walking, right? I mean, that's all he had to say. (laughs) What, What are you doing? Why are you carrying your bed? Somebody told me to do it. Yeah. I love that simplistic childlike faith, right? And if somebody's telling you this, I don't think you're gonna be like, okay, now listen here now, you probably don't know me. Right? But I've been lame for thirty eight years, you know, I can't get up and walk, right? You know, that's how we normally talk. <laughs> there was faith welling up in him that all of a sudden he, he knew he could walk, even though he knew he had no physical ability to walk, right? right. So he didn't he didn't start arguing with Jesus and be like, Now I know you don't know me, I know you don't know my history, but I can't walk. No, he just stood up and started walking, right? By the power of the voice of the Son of God so he said look i don't even know who this guy is he just showed up and he told me to take up my bread my my, my bed and walk and i did it and all of a sudden i can't walk for 38 years and now i can you know he's he, it's in a different context he's saying the same thing as the blind man i once was blind but now i see you, right i once was lame but now i'm walking and it's all because this this guy he didn't introduce himself and say i'm jesus of ne-, which by the way i kind of skipped over this this is maybe a little bit sarcastic, you know, from our perspective in verse six. Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole? I, clearly he wants to be made whole, right? It's almost kind of like he's mocking him and belitt- belittling him a little bit. So, so my first interaction with this guy, the stranger, is that he's kind of he's mocking me a little bit, right? But none of that really mattered when he commanded him to rise up and yeah. walk, right? But he's going and he's testifying to them I don't know who he is. He just told me to stand up and walk, and now I'm walking. <laughs> I had not I used these legs in 38 years, and now they're working. That's all I know. I once was lame, but now I'm walking. And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. I like that. Jesus says, rise up and walk, and he just, whoosh, just proceeds to the background. I don't know if he walked through them like he did in some other places. But he, he healed him and then he just just disappears. Just disappears into the crowd. <clears throat> but then Jesus goes out of his way to go find him after that. Verse 14, Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. This is kind of a similar command to the woman that was called in adultery that we have coming up in John chapter 8 and he writes in the writes on the ground and the people were convicted and they go away and he says who's here to condemn you he says nobody neither do I condemn you but now you go and sin no more right so you have the command of the voice of Jesus that testifies that now you are clean and whole and righteous and pure, but now based on that knowledge, you go and you sin no more. And look at the heaviness of this, okay? This man <clears throat> this man had been physically lame, physically not able to walk for 38 years. Can't fathom that. I'm only 34, okay? Haven't even got to 38. Can't fathom. And also the pride of men having to be dependent upon other people for everything, to go anywhere for 38 years. This was a terrible physical disability. But in a spiritual sense, he said, listen, if you've been, if you've been healed, and you have a knowledge of your healing, and you've received a command and a message from the Son of God, and in our, in our day, the Word of God, to command you to go and sin no more, You obey that command, lest a worse thing come upon thee. I want to let, as I've meditated on this, the the solemnness and the gravity of this statement sink in. Amen. Jesus Christ says right here that there is something worse for the child of God than being physically lame for 38 years. Amen. Okay? God is serious about obedience to his commandments, Amen. especially, and, and to whom much is given, much is required. Yes. And that's why it uses that heavy, heavy language in, uh, I want to turn over there and read that in Hebrews chapter 10, and, and people look at the heaviness of this language and, um, yeah, Okay, let's just start in verse 26 here. Hebrews chapter 10, which by the way, this is right after, uh, it says if we sin willfully. The previous verse is talking about forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, okay? So this is not just about fornication, it's not just about adultery and all these horrible things. You have a command to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And if you willfully neglect that, then you are bringing the judgment of the Lord upon you, okay? If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the, not every child of God has received the fullness of the knowledge of the truth, but if you have, to whom much is given, much is required. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Are you going to lose your eternal salvation? Well, no, of course not. That contradicts all the rest of the word of God, but boy, you can live in a state where you... From one moment to the next, you have no peace and assurance. Amen. Okay. Amen. You can live like Lot. You can live like King Saul. You can live like Solomon at the end of his life. Okay? And that is worse for the child. You can be in perfect Solomon. I, I just envision him being in perfect physical health. Yeah. But you know what? He was enduring something worse. Than lameness when he wrote Ecclesiastes. And he said, it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. Amen. Why? He, he, I just envisioned him, he was a little bit older at that time, but I envisioned him being in, in ideal, perfect health. But he was absolutely miserable because he, he had more, boy, to whom much is given, much is required, isn't it? He had more knowledge than anybody on the face of this earth, Amen. and he willfully chose to neglect it you see his despair of soul in the book of ecclesiastes okay and i want you to notice how heavy this is verse 28 he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three this is saying if you broke the natural law you lost your physical life he's saying for the child of god there's something worse than you losing your physical life if you lose your physical life that's when that's when real life just got good right that's when we go to heaven and see jesus christ face to face there's something much worse for the child of god than physical death Amen. and it's living in rebellion to the word of god Amen. and living in judgment of how much sore punishment suppose ye and this is how this is how seriously god takes you having a knowledge of the truth in this context you've received healing you've received the voice of the son of god commanded and telling you of that and he told you go and sin no more which the holy spirit always tells you that in your conscience and in your soul. The Holy Spirit is always testifying to you, go and sin no more, okay? Of how much sore punishment, do you understand that? He's saying there's a punishment that, that is worse for the child of God than physical death. And we're terrified of physical death, aren't we? But sometimes we play around with God's judgment. Yeah. There is something worse than physical death. Of how much sore punishment, suppo- <clears throat> suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy he had trodden under the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherein he was sanctified, right? This is just children of God. Right. Amen. An unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. And then of course the Jews, they exhibit their unregenerate state and they take this healing as a means to try to find legalistic loopholes to, to uh, persecute and to condemn Jesus Christ. Um, And obviously they failed in that work. But I want to leave you with that thought. The spiritual lesson of we're all impotent. We're dead in sins. We have no capacity to save ourselves. We have no capacity to heal ourselves. But by the voice of the Son of God, we receive healing and life. But the sobering command that should have rung in this man's ears for all the rest of his life, is that you've been made whole, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon me. And boy, aren't you happy that the abundant life in the kingdom of God, it's abundant, isn't it? Amen. It's abundant, it's joyful. Oh, but the judgments of disobedience are just as heavy in the other direction as, as the joys of the abundant life for the obedient, right? And uh, I know that if this message resonates with you, then that means that you have received that healing and you are among the whosoevers. You are among the whosoevers that have the ability to come and drink of the water of life freely. Only those that have life have the ability to do that. And you have a knowledge, if you're listening to me today, you have a knowledge that many children of God do not have and have never had. I THINK ABOUT JOB SO MUCH, a GOOD GODLY MAN. And BOY, IN HIS CONSCIENCE, IN HIS SOUL, THAT LAW IS WRITTEN IN HIS HEART, YEARNED OUT AND SAYS, I KNOW THAT MY REDEEMER LIVETH. AND HE'S GOING TO STAND AT THE LATTER DAY ON THE EARTH. BUT WE HAVE THE PRIVILEGE OF KNOWING THE NAME OF THAT REDEEMER. Amen. AND KNOWING THAT HE PROCLAIMED IT IS FINISHED ON THE TREE OF THE CROSS. AND WITH THAT KNOWLEDGE COMES GREAT RESPONSIBILITY. AND WE WANT TO BE FAITHFUL STEWARDS AND CUSTODIANS OF THAT. And the admonition same as Jesus' admonition. Go and sin no more if we've been made whole by the Son of God. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.